thankful we serve a God of creation who makes all things new. If you're thankful for that this morning, say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. I, um, I was thinking as I was sitting there that um, when I was in school, um, I loved the teachers who gave you points for just showing up. Did you like those teachers who gave you points for just showing up? So I told the Lord over there, I said, Lord, I hope you're giving me points this morning for being here today. Um, if you have your Bible, Psalm 13, one thing I want you to know is that um, this service, the, the, a lot of the details of the services that we have, some people have lots of different opinions about the ways that pastors should plan their services and sermons and all of those things. And um, all of the opinions are, are probably right in some way, shape, or form. Some think that you should plan week by week, and I've done that for a lot of years. And more recently, um, we've started planning out series and sermons and and uh, praying over those and trying to get the details all pulled together. And um, this series and these sermons were planned uh, a few months ago. And so as you have time, you may not be able to reflect on this truth today, but as you have time to reflect and think about um, the service this morning, the songs that we've sung, the scriptures that have been read, the message that you will hear, I want you to understand that um, God preordained our time together this morning. If you believe that we serve a God who goes before us, say amen. We serve a God that goes before us and already has provision waiting for us down the road that we don't even know we need, and I'm so thankful for that this morning. Psalm 13, if you have your Bibles, we continue in our series today entitled Seasons, and last week I shared with you that Solomon described in Ecclesiastes 3 that there's a season, season for everything, and that just as seasons change in nature, they change in our lives too. There's different seasons that we go through, different seasons that we experience in our lives spiritually, and um, last week we started with a favorite season of ours, the season of praise, and we talked about what a wonderful blessing it is it is to live in times where things are going well and we can just give praise and glory and honor to God. In fact, it just seems to flow naturally from us as we think about how very good God has been to us. And so we just give him glory and honor. And not only do we praise him with our words, but we find ourselves praising him with our actions. And, 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 the, and that season of praise and blessing just pours out of us into others so very naturally. And it is a wonderful season to live in. If you're grateful for that season like that that you've had in your life, say amen. I just love that kind of a season. But just as summer turned to fall so quickly on us Friday night, right? Woke up Saturday morning, things were chilly outside, had to pull out those long sleeves. Just as seasons change, we can very quickly move from a season of praise to a different season, and that's a season of sadness. Seasons of sadness come into our lives, sometimes gradually, but often in a split second, it can be a phone call, or an accident, or a negative medical report, or a broken relationship, or an unexpected event, or piece of news, and our world is turned upside down. If you kind of know about that, would you say amen this morning? And uh, all of a sudden, we're catapulted into a season that we really do the best that we can to avoid. We don't like the season of sadness. Psalm 13 is where we look together. The psalmist was in a season of sadness. The season for him hadn't just started, but this season of sadness had actually been dragging on for quite 
some time, and he shares with us a picture of really what I want to present to you today is what I believe the natural response in this kind of a season, and yet I think there's times when we feel pretty guilty about responding the way that we see David respond here, so I want us to look at it together the natural response in season of sadness. Here in Psalm 13, beginning of verse, with verse 1, I want you to see that we question. Listen to what David would write. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts every day and have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me. David, he begins here listing many questions before God. We read these questions very rapidly because that's how we tend to read scripture is take off like it's a race and run through it as quickly as we can. But I just have to believe that as David writes these words on paper that each question came with a pause. That each question came and then he would stop and he would reflect about what he just wrote. And then the next question would come to mind and he would write it down again. And so I want us to stop for just a brief moment this morning and begin to look at each of these questions and how he must have been feeling as he wrote them. The first question we see is, how long will you forget me? I wonder this morning, have you ever been forgotten about? Have you ever been forgotten about? It wasn't long ago I made a phone call to a place of business And they answered the phone, and before I could say anything, they said, could you hold, please? And before I could even answer, there was music playing in my ear. Ever happened to you? And I waited, and I waited. Three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, seven minutes goes by. I think they forgot about me, right? About six years ago, I went to a a place of business, a tire shop. We needed new tires for the van, and... And we rolled in there, I rolled in there in an afternoon, and, and it was a pretty busy place, a lot going on, and, and I finally got someone to wait on me, and he came out, looked at the van, saw the size tires, and he had a piece of paper, and he wrote it down, he said, sir, I'm, I'm sorry, we're just, we're just covered up today, we got a lot going on. He said, I've got your tire size, could I give you a call back in just a little while? I said, you know what, no problem. I said, you know, I'm not in a super big hurry, but I just kind of want to get an idea what it's going to cost. He said, okay, I'll give you a call back in just a little while. That was six years ago. (laughs) I think he forgot about me. And I probably better think about getting tires on that car and stop waiting for him, right? We've been forgotten about. If you've been forgotten about, say amen. David felt forgotten about, but it wasn't just a phone call or tire replacement. He was going through it. And he called upon a God who loved him and had been faithful to provide in the past. I mean, think about it with me this morning. God had been faithful to David. The giants had fallen, amen? The giants had fallen. I mean, God had anointed David to be the king, right? And God had walked with him and provided to him, and his spirit filled him, and he whispered to him, and yet David still found himself in this moment where he's crying out to God. And David, think about this, David himself, a a man after God's own heart, a man who God loved, David cries out this question, how long will you forget me? How long will you forget me? 
That tells me that there's times in our life, even spiritually, when we are going to feel like God has forgotten about us. But David goes on and he writes another question. He says, how long will you hide your face from me? How long, God, will you look the other way? When someone hides their face from you, they've turned their face away from you. God, how long will you look the other way? In other words, he's saying, God, don't you see? Don't you see what's happening? Don't you see how I am suffering? Don't you see my anguish and my hurt and my pain? Don't you see? God, are you ignoring me? Have you ever been ignored? God, are you ignoring me? Do you know what it feels like to be ignored? My daughter Kendra has developed, I, I call her the, the queen, really the queen of being able to ignore what's going on around her. And see, it's, a, it's an adapted uh, behavior because she's had two brothers, remember? And is the youngest. And so she's had to learn how to ignore. When, when Jaron and Kendra are very, very close now, but when they were younger, Jaron used to love, and I know this is hard to believe about one of your pastors, but he used to love to aggravate the time out of her. I thought I'd get an amen from Kendra there on that. There we go. And Kendra would get upset, and she would come running, course, to dad, and of course I would rescue her, right, from the moment. But then I also would give her a piece of advice, and the advice would go something like this. Kendra, listen, honey. You've just got to learn to ignore him. See, everybody in unison there, Kendra, so remember that. If you ignore him, he'll, he'll just stop pestering you like that. And so she began at that young age to craft the art of ignoring. I have a picture here for you this morning just to get an idea. Now, you can see brother standing right behind her, right? This picture, I remember, was captured just after. You can see the look on Jaron's face. He was pestering. But she was still smiling and ignoring him, right, all the way through. Kendra's learned how to ignore. David was struggling in this passage because I want you to understand David wasn't acting out or trying to taunt God. David was trying to walk in the very will of God, and yet he still felt like God was ignoring him. Felt like God had hidden himself from him. David felt lonely and all alone. And the, and the season of sadness can usher in these feelings. But notice this question, it doesn't stop there. Verse 2 asks, how long will I wrestle with my thoughts? What's David saying? He's saying, my mind won't stop. I think about what's happening. I think about it, and 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 I think about it. Has something that's happened to you or in your life or circumstances around you, has it ever just captured your thoughts to a point where day and night it's on your mind? If you've been there, say amen. Day and night, wrestling. Thought after thought after thought. And I believe David would say this, just like we do. I've offered God 10,000 ways to fix it. I mean, we've got the answers, don't we? I've offered God 10,000 ways to fix it. God, just pick one. In fact, you don't even have to pick one because you have infinite wisdom, God. Just do, make up one of your own. I'll be satisfied with that. But God, just what? Just fix it. Just make it better. And yet, we seem to continue to wrestle with the thoughts. How long? We play out scenario after scenario after scenario, and David says, I'm tired of wrestling with these thoughts. Lord, how long will that continue? 
And then he goes on, how long will I have sorrow in my heart? Have you ever had a broken heart? We've all experienced that. I stood beside a lady on Monday of this week. You don't know her. Um, a relationship through another person who used to be an attender of a former church reached out to me this week and said, could you come and see my mom and dad and told me about the situation. And, you know, here's the thing. God has a way of just setting things up sometimes so that even when we don't feel like we can do something, he puts us right where we need to be. Maybe that doesn't make sense to you, but I happened to be in southern Indiana on Monday for two hours. And in that two-hour window, someone who hadn't reached out to me in seven years texted me and said, could you come and see my parents? They're in, they're in Floyd Memorial Hospital, which was 10 minutes from me. That's God. And if you're listening today, please hear this with the grace I intended. It's the last place I wanted to go. Because inside of me, it wasn't in me to go and minister that particular day. And yet, God, through his spirit, said, it's not about you. I'm asking you to do something. You're either going to be obedient or disobedient. And I don't tell you that to say, look how great I am. I say, when God speaks to our heart and gives us a window like that, we better not deny it. And so I made my way to the hospital and up to the second floor and I stood beside a man who had a broken heart. His wife of 58 years laid in the bed, found out two weeks prior that she had cancer and things did not look good. I didn't know them well at all, met them a handful of times six or seven years ago, prayed with them and then he pulled me aside and we stepped out. It was just the two of us and he began to just pour his heart out to me. And as he sobbed, he said, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? For the past three weeks since her diagnosis, my heart, he said, has been in pieces. How long is this sorrow going to last? How long, how am I going to be able to live without her? How am I going to make it? And this man who stood 6'4", a little taller than me, weighs just probably a little bit more than me, who I'd met three times, brokenhearted, reached out and embraced me. And we called out to God together. And I said, God, I don't understand and I don't know, but I know you're faithful in this season. And then I shared with this man that there is, a, there is a measure of grace that is reserved for us in moments we've never been in before. We've never experienced it before. We've never needed that grace before. And in those moments, God has a measure of grace reserved for us that he will pour into our lives. And he will lift us. And he will carry us. And I watched this man who moments before had been so brokenhearted receive God's peace that passes all understanding and lifted him and encouraged him. And I texted my friend yesterday and her mother is improving, praise God. 
and she gives the glory to God. How long will I have sorrow in my heart? And then it's like David just takes a second here and he pauses again and he just kind of, I, I just have to, I kind of play it out in my mind. Like, what would, if I was writing this, what would it feel like for me? And I think for a moment here, David kind of pushes back from where he's writing and, and, he, and he takes a minute and he kind of looks back over these questions. He works his way back through them and then, then he picks up the pen again and he starts to write, realizing where the battle is fought. And this is the, this is the question he goes to. How long will my enemy when? How long will evil seem to defeat the good? How long will sickness and hatred and pain and sorrow and gossip and division and war and evil, and the list goes on, how long will it prevail? And with tears in his eyes and pain in his heart, David sits there questioning, wondering, and we question. And I want to tell you something that you already know this morning because I've shared this with you before, but the great news this morning is it's okay to question. It's okay to go to God with our tough, tough questions. And the reason I know that is because where we are in Scripture today, David calls out to God with the hard stuff. He doesn't back down. He doesn't hold it in. He doesn't back off. He goes to God and says, this is how I'm feeling He questions God, no matter how sad the season. And in seasons of sadness, we can question. But I want you to go on with me this morning and see that not only in seasons of sadness can we question God, but in seasons of sadness, we can cry out to him. Verse 3, look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall, David cries out to God in this season of sadness. And he, first of all, he says, look on me. Look on me, O God, and answer me. David asks God the question in verse 1, how long will you hide your face from me? Right? That's what he says in verse 1. But I want you to see as he comes back here, he says this. He says in verse 3, look on me. In other words, he's saying, God, look on me. Turn your face toward me. Don't hide it from me any longer, but God, turn your face toward me. And God, see what I am going through. Lay eyes on how I am feeling. It makes such a difference when we know that we're seen. It makes a difference when we know that God's eyes are on us. I can remember when my kids were younger and there were lots of, lots of times that I wanted to ask them to do something for me. And I, learned, uh, I had to learn kind of more with the first child as we do. We learn a lot, right? And then as we kind of progress on, we kind of learn some tricks that at least seem to work sometimes for us. And that's where I was. I, I learned that if I needed to have them clean their room or do their chores or take out the trash or cut the grass or whatever, if I wanted to share some important information with them, and I really wanted them to capture it and process it, before I would tell them what I wanted to say, I would preface it with these words. I need to see your eyes. I need to see your eyes. Because if I walked in there and they were doing something else and I would say, hey, I need you to take out the trash, I'd get an okay, Dad, and then you know what happened, right? I didn't hear you. (laughs) I didn't hear you. Did you say that? But if I would say, I need to see your eyes, and they would look at me, and I could get their eyes on me, and then I said, I need you to whatever, then I knew they heard me. I knew they heard me. You see, seeing your eyes helps me to know that you see me, that you hear me. David was saying, God, I need to see your eyes. 
I need to know that you're looking on me. Look on me. Hear me. Hear what's taking place with your eyes. Give me your full attention. He wanted to know that God was hearing and seeing all that was going on and taking place. He just wanted to know for sure that God was aware. And then he's bold in his prayer as he cries out in this season of sadness and says, answer me. Not just look on me, God. But answer me, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. He doesn't just want his prayer to stop with look on me, but he asks God to answer him and cries out and pleads again and again with God to bring answers into the situation. And in this season that we go through, we cry out, O God, would you answer? O God, you are the healer. God, would you heal? Ever pray that prayer? Oh, God, you're the healer. You're Jehovah Rapha. You're able to bring healing in this situation. God, would you heal? Would you answer? Oh, God, you are the provider. You're Jehovah Jireh. You're more than able to provide. Everything is at your disposal, God. You are able today. If you're glad you serve that God with me, say amen. Oh, God, you're the provider. God, would you, would you provide today? Oh, God, you're the God of peace. Would you speak peace today? God, you're the mountain mover. Would you move the mountains in my life? God, you're the answer, David's saying. You're the answer. I know, I know you're the answer, God. Would you work? I have to remind you today, He's still the answer. Let's try that again. God is still the answer, amen? He's my answer. He was David's answer. He's your answer. You say, Pastor, you don't know the problem. It doesn't matter. He's the answer. David knew it. Answer me, oh God. And then he says, protect me, protect me. My enemy will say I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. David's been going through this season of sadness as I share with you for quite some time and he doesn't know how much longer it's going to last but he doesn't want to be overcome by this battle that he's, is raging so he cries out for God to protect him and surround him to, to keep him safe from those who are trying to kill and steal and destroy. And can I remind you today that that's the work of the enemy of our soul. The thief, the enemy, comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. He tempts people. He works through people. He even works through good people at times to do his bidding. David was attacked. If you know David's story at all, you know that David was attacked at times by close friends, by family, by people who had been loyal to him. He'd been hurt by those who'd helped and provi he'd provided for and loved. And even though David doesn't understand all that, as we don't a lot of times, he doesn't retaliate. Isn't that great? What a wonderful example that David sets for us. He doesn't retaliate, but what's he do? He cries out to God. Protect me, O God. Keep me safe, O God. Help me to be in a place, Lord, where I know that no matter what is happening around me or coming against me, that God, you will keep me safe. You will protect me. Now, when I think of protection, I think of armor. 
I think of uh, maybe a football player. I had to use Green Bay. You know I'm a Green Bay fan. Although Clay Matthews isn't there anymore, and I shed some tears still for that, but I'll be okay. Think of a football player, all of his padding, like his job, protection, right? Especially offensive guys, protection. I think of a walled city, protection. I think of a tank or a bulletproof vest. All of these things come to mind, but as I look back on my life, and maybe you'll agree with me that God answering this prayer of protection hasn't been he hasn't been the answer hasn't come through him giving me something physically to wear or placing me somewhere that is a stronghold physically. His protection has come as he's given me promises. Or as he's extended grace for another moment. For another hour. Or another day. Did I tell you today that he has a measure of grace reserved for you right now? And that his mercies are new every single morning? His protection comes through his peace in the midst of chaos. He whispers his word and promises to us. Because if we know anything about God, we know that his word never fails. Never. He protects us with gentle things and gentle ways. You ever thought about that? He's a gentle shepherd. Saw something yesterday that reminded me of that. He's in my family a lot today, but my son Trent, many of you know uh, Trent and Nicole and little Chloe, what a blessing she's been to our lives. And Trent and Nicole were over at our house yesterday, and Trent was sitting on the couch across from me. And Chloe was playing on the floor just in front of him. Now, Trent is not a small guy. And no, son, I'm not calling you fat before you tell me later. Call me fat. He's just a big guy. And there's little Chloe sitting at his feet. And when Trent and I were talking across the room, and I can't even tell you what Chloe was doing exactly, but she was playing there on the floor. I didn't really see what happened, but all of a sudden I watched Chloe start to tip over backwards or fall backwards. And Trent, without even missing a beat talking to me, he is sitting there on the couch. He lifts his leg up very gently, and she just lands just right on his leg. Just, I mean, and he just sets her right back up. <laughs> and the whole time he's talking to me. And I didn't say anything to him at the time, but later I reflected on that, and I thought, that reminds me a lot of how God protects us. Without even missing a beat, without really even causing him any type of scare, or he's caught off guard, or anything, he just so gently keeps us from falling. If you're glad for that, say amen. That's the protection of our God. And I think David was crying out for that. It wasn't so much, yes, he physically had enemies chasing him who were trying to kill him. And I think he wanted protection from that. But I think even more, he knew that God was just able to come and wrap his arms around him and so gently keep him safe. 
David questions and he cries out, but then something happens between verses four and five, and I think some of the gentle things I spoke about, God begins to speak into David. God's spirit began to speak his grace and his love, and his promises began to resound in David's mind, and we don't know how long he paused, but again, I think he lays that pen down one more time, and, and as he's writing, and, 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 and here at the end of verse four, and then at some point, it may have been, you see, we hurry this along, but it may have been across moments or days or weeks or months, we really don't know the pause that may have taken place here. But at some point, at some point, God reassures him. God comes alongside him. God begins to answer him. Maybe it was that day or many months later, but David comes back and reminds us that even in seasons of sadness, we can find peace. Peace that passes all understanding. The suffering was still there. David is still sad, but he picks back up this pen. And even though with all that was going on and all the things that were hard and all the questions that were resounding in his heart, God's peace begins to wash over him. And this next small three little word makes all the difference. God, I'm going to question at times and I'm going to cry out and I'm going to beg. But... But I trust in you. I trust in you. He writes, I trust in your unfailing love. Even in my season of sadness, even when everything is upside down, even when the heavens are silent, even when my enemy is winning, even when I can't make heads or tails of all that's taking place around me, I trust that you do. I trust that you do. I trust that your love will never fail me. Nothing, Paul would write, can separate us from the love of God. Absolutely nothing. And long before Paul would write it, David would write it and say, I trust in your unfailing love. A promise of scripture that God gave me a long time ago. A long time ago. Proverbs chapter 3 it hangs on the wall of my living room, among other places. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I'm looking down not because I need the words. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. O oh Lord, I trust in you. Say that with me, would you? O oh Lord, I trust in you. Again, O oh Lord, I trust in you. David said, I trust in you, Lord. A lot of things we don't understand or figure out or can make sense of. How could God anoint David king and then instead of removing Saul and giving the throne to David very quickly, allow Saul to pursue and try to kill David on numerous accounts? Can't wrap my mind around that, Pastor Tim. Doesn't make sense. Likely what's going on during this season when David pins these words. David says, I may question why with a broken heart I might cry out. I may feel like God isn't hearing or looking, but even so, I make the choice to trust in God. Trust in God is a choice 
we make, trusting in him and in his unfailing love. And then he says, my heart rejoices. See, something happens here. I'll remind you again, something happens here. David says, all the questions, all the cries, but Lord, I trust in you and I rejoice. And notice what he says. He's very specific. I rejoice in your salvation. I rejoice in your salvation. He doesn't say, hey, I'm really happy that Saul's chasing me down here. He doesn't say, I'm thrilled to be going through all that I'm going through, but he finds reason in the midst of his sadness to rejoice in God. I rejoice in your salvation. Can I just remind you today that I believe David was rejoicing a few different ways in the salvation of God because what this word simply means is I, feel, I, I rejoice in your ability to, to deliver me. I rejoice, God, in your ability to deliver me. David had been delivered by God many times. The bear and the lion and the giant, people chasing him. Read through scripture. God had protected him and been faithful to him. He could look back and see God's salvation over and again. He says, my heart rejoices in your ability to deliver. Maybe not at all that's happening right now, but God, my heart rejoices today. We can rejoice today. Aren't you thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses from all sin? We can rejoice in that today. I rejoice, God, in the salvation he's given me. I rejoice today because he's a sanctifying God who cleanses us and makes us holy. I'm thankful for saving grace and sanctifying grace. But I'm thankful today for grace that delivers and sustains. And David is saying the same thing. Your salvation, God, is real. I may not be experiencing it the way I want to today, but your salvation is real, and my heart rejoices because you're a God who's able to deliver. And then he says this, verse 6, I will sing to the Lord, for he's been good to me. Even though I'm in this season of sadness, it doesn't change this fact. God is good. And David loved music and God's presence and grace and mercy and peace so would come, I'm sure, just like God does with us when we sing. He inhabits the praises of his people. Do you remember that promise from last week? He comes when we praise him. And David was able to sing because he remembered the goodness of God. I was thinking about Paul and Silas who in Acts 16 were doing the Lord's work, if you remember, they went to Philippi and um, the church began there under their ministry and incredible things were happening and then one day, hmm, and then one day, things changed very rapidly, next thing they know, they've been beaten and flogged and put into the inner cell to be guarded very heavily and wounded and hurting and physically a mess. You remember the story, right? They begin to praise God. Now, I don't have any proof of this at all. But just don't tell my district superintendent. But Paul, I believe, was pretty astute in the scriptures, and it just could have been that in that cell, Paul began to recite Psalm 13. Oh, Lord, how long? Lord, this season just started today, but Lord, you know we've been, we've been going through a lot. A lot happened in how long? And he began to read those words. Silas began to listen. Oh, God, answer. And then they get all the way down. But I trust in you. 
rejoice in you. And then they get to verse 6. I will sing to the Lord, for he's been good to me. Now, I can't prove any of that. But you can't prove I'm wrong. And maybe, just maybe, when they got to verse 6, Paul looked at Silas and said, let's do it, man. Let's do it. And I'm looking at you today and I'm saying, let's do it. Are you with me? God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Come on, let's do it again. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so God is good. God is good. I will sing to the Lord because he's been good to me. If your season of sadness today, I want you to know that David made a choice to sing. Paul, he made a choice to sing. We can make a choice to sing. And uh, can I just tell you that it not necessarily has to come from here, but it's a song that can come from here. We can choose to think about a lot of things, focus on a lot of things. But the bottom line is this. We can make the choice to say, I trust in you, O Lord, your unfailing love. I rejoice today, Lord, because you're a God who delivers. And I'm going to sing because you have been so very good to me. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we, um, we rest in you today. There's no possible way that we could deny that you're real. You have come and met with us today and just like you promised, your grace has been more than sufficient. And Lord, um, I love the fact that my, even though my knowledge is so limited that you have all knowledge, you're all-knowing, and right now you know every, everything, everyone's heart, everything is laid bare before you this morning, you know. And so my prayer is, Lord, today that your Holy Spirit would meet every single individual here right at their point of need right now. Lord, some, for some, the season of sadness did not start this week. It has been going on a while. 
and they need you, Lord. And so as they look to you right now, my prayer is that your Holy Spirit would fill them to overflowing with your peace and your love and that they would make a fresh commitment today to put their trust in you, Lord. Put their trust in you. Lean their whole weight upon you today, God. Right where they're seated right now, God, just let them make that decision. God, I trust in you. And if forgiveness is needed, forgive, Lord, forget you're a God of grace. And if, if strength is needed, then give, Lord, for you're a God of strength. And if peace is needed today, Lord, would you extend it because you're a God of peace. And would you protect them from the evil one? And would you be gentle, Lord, in all that you do, speaking into every life today? Draw them near. And Father, we just look to you this morning for all that we need. You are our provider. And so, Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, we pray. Thank you for being good always, in every season. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.